0: Welcome to the program. Thanks a lot for hanging out. I appreciate it. Uh, The phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at thepetecalendorshow.com. And uh, I almost, just for a moment, cared about Governor Cooper's budget. Good job, North Carolina political media. You almost got me. You almost got me. I was like, oh, the governor's got a budget proposal out. And then I remembered it's not going to pass. So why do I care? Oh, he's calling for more spending on what? Why am I? Why am I reading this? This is just a waste of time. I don't need to. I don't need to fill my brain with any of this, uh, any of his proposal, because it never passes. It never passes. Now, what the Republicans might want to do is put it up for a vote, make Democrats in the House and Senate You know, support the governor's budget proposal or not, which he claims cuts taxes, but actually raises taxes. But oh, my gosh, why am I even this is like space in my brain that could have been stuffed with some other information. But now I've got some of Cooper's budget proposal in there. Just just taking up space Ugh, for no reason. All right. Let me just move on here. So yesterday after the uh, program, I went home and uh, I, I put on. The North Carolina Supreme Court YouTube channel. That's what I do for my evening entertainment. And well, no, they they had oral arguments yesterday. They've got oral arguments today, as a matter of fact, on the voter ID. So spoiler alert: uh, we'll be talking about that tomorrow. Uh, the the oral arguments from the voter ID case, which, by the way, will be heard by the full panel of judges, the full seven, because there was a there was an effort by leftists to say that uh, Phil Berger Jr. should not be allowed to uh, hear the case because his dad, Phil Berger Sr. of the Berger machine, uh, the Senate majority leader, president pro tem rather um, Phil Berger is one of the participants in the lawsuit because he's the leader of the Senate. And so because he is named as a defendant in the lawsuit because he's the president pro tem, Phil Berger Jr. should not be allowed to uh, preside over the case. Should not be allowed to render any kind of ruling or participate in the uh, the opinions. Well, he put that up to his fellow justices. Say, hey, what do you guys think? He could have recused himself, which is what the the left and some in the media. But I repeat myself. They were you know trying to force him to shame him into doing, uh, to pressure him into uh, recusing himself. And so he just turned it over to his colleagues and said, hey, you know, what do you guys think? And they apparently signed an order turning down the request for uh, recusal. They did it also for Justice Tamara Barringer because she was a state lawmaker at the time. I think she was a state senator uh, at the time when this voter ID law was constructed. And so they say people wanted her off the case. Now, they didn't want... Anita Earls off the case for some reason, which is weird because she was, you know, the founder of the the Southern Coalition for Social Justice, which is a litigant. Right? They didn't they didn't care about that for some reason. I don't know why. I guess it's it's different when when Democrats do it, I guess. That's the standard, that's the rule. Anyway, so Berger's going to get to hear uh and rule on the voter ID case. That'll be tomorrow. But yesterday was gerrymandering. That's right. Gerrymandering was on the docket. Ah! I'm literally shaking for our democracy right now. Um, The North Carolina Supreme Court, you may recall, uh, up until a few uh, weeks ago, was Democrat-controlled. And in the final days of their lame-duck term, they... Uh, fast-tracked a couple of cases that they really, really, really wanted to hear and they really, really, really wanted to make law on and they knew that they were probably going to get voted out so they fast-tracked the cases and they issued their opinions as they were essentially a zombie court, right? They were the majority, the 4-3 Democrat majority all all but knew they were going to lose and so they they fast-tracked a couple of cases and in so doing they have now offered the republicans who won the majority now there's a 5 to 2 republican majority on the state supreme court right now the republicans have an opportunity to rehear these cases and they did so this was one of them the voter id one is another because when and by the way i have no sympathy nor shall i spend any time on the ridiculous arguments that the uh, uh, the protesters out in front of the Supreme Court uh, are making about you know this is some sort of judicial overreach, a partisan overreach, right? This is activism, right? This is this is a reaction to your action. See, when when you divine law, when you make stuff up that's not in the Constitution, and you conjure up new interpretations. Of old words and sentences in order to make them fit whatever political agenda you're trying to advance now. When the reaction to that action comes, that's not overreach. The overreach was your initial action, which you did. Democrats did when they fast tracked these cases, knowing that they wanted to issue certain rulings to uh, to achieve certain outcomes. Right to to make the text of the Constitution fit whatever law they wanted to craft that they couldn't get done in the general assembly, right? This is, this is the only branch that they, that they could control. This is one court in one branch, right? The state Supreme court. And so they used it in order to advance policy aims in this case, you know, quote, gerrymandering or redistricting reform. The problem was that they created a standard that was impossible to apply. And their own actions prove it. This is the argument made by the legislative defendants, the the, the General Assembly. They sued, right? They're, they're in court over this because their argument is we have control over the redistricting process, not the court. And when the court made a series of rulings in two different cases, one's called Harper 1, they call it Harper 1 and Harper 2, the first set of standards that, that the court tried to uh, to lay out, say this is how you redistrict, quote fairly. When this, when the, uh, when the lawmakers went about applying those standards to their maps, to their redistricting process, those maps were then scrapped as well. And the Supreme Court came up with different standards, and they said it's you got to look at a holistic approach, and we'll know it when we see it. Basically, it's like porn. Gerrymandering is like pornography. I'll know it when I see it. And they they will be the ones to determine this. So that's the heart of the case. That's the heart of the case. Uh, Alrighty, so let's start with Phil Strack. Phil Strack is the attorney for the legislative uh, leaders, uh, the General Assembly, in uh, in this case on the gerrymandering. And Phil Strack argued uh, before the state Supreme Court yesterday that the court, the previous court, 4-3 Democrat court, um, abandoned the standards that it told the legislature to use when they were to be drawing the redistricted maps.
1: This case, Harper II, demonstrates that Harper 1 was a failed experiment. And an experiment it was. It created a partisan gerrymandering claim out of whole cloth, out of multiple vague state constitutional provisions that do not say anything about partisanship in redistricting doing this while practically ignoring the constitutional provisions that give the legislative branch th- sole authority over redistricting harper One claimed to divine the holy grail a standard by which so-called partisan gerrymandering could be measured and enforced by the courts but as harper ii demonstrated that was simply a fool's errand
0: right so Harper one, Harper two, um, named after the, the, or the plaintiff in the case, I think her name is Darla Harper and, uh, Harper V hall. I think that's Destin hall, uh, who was in charge of the map making, but whatever that, that there are two components to the case, Harper one, and then Harper two. So two different Supreme court rulings first that said, here are the standards. And then the, Oh, we're going to th- throw those out and do a holistic approach. There were two rounds of that litigation. That's why they're referred to as Harper 1 and Harper 2. One was in February. The other was in December last year. So the rehearing yesterday focused on the second decision, that December decision by the state Supreme Court, 4-3 Democrat majority, uh, that upheld a trial court, the lower court, which threw out a congressional election map. In February, the Supreme Court had pulled what Phil Strack called the Charlie Brown trick. He gave instru- they gave the, cor- uh, the court gave the legislature instructions and then rejected lawmakers' good-faith attempts to, in, in favor of ordering three special masters to draw the maps. One of those special masters was Bob Orr, a former Republican justice on the state Supreme Court. Now a registered, unaffiliated... And who was not named, but indirectly referenced during the proceedings because he was engaged in politicking. He was engaged in campaigning while he was a special master overseeing the drawing of the congressional districts. Um, Strachan said, uh, and the legislative leaders uh, who he represents, he's like, we're asking the Supreme Court to withdraw or vacate or overrule, whatever. The last ruling, Harper 2, they want the, they want the Supreme Court to, to pull that back. That was the one that got fast-tracked because the Democrats knew they were going to lose so uh, and decided after the election in December, they pushed out that ruling. So they want that to be withdrawn, and they want the original Harper 1 ruling from the state Supreme Court to be overruled. Justice Mike Morgan, Democrat, he asked uh, well, what has happened over the last 88 days um, since the court issued its Harper II ruling right What's happened over the last 88 days that would compel a different result?
1: Your Honor, the Harper II decision itself mandates and compels a different result because the Harper II case shows that Harper 1 was flawed. The rehearing in this matter was based upon the fact, according to a majority of court members here, that Harper 2 should be uh, reheard. I'm hearing you say that we should actually go back to Harper 1 now. Are you using the rehearing of Harper 2 as a device by which to roll back even Harper 1? Our contention, Your Honor, is that Harper 2 must be reheard because it exposed the flaws in Harper 1, which now should be overruled. Harper II is why we're here. Harper II was a remedial process, and it purported to apply Harper I. But what it actually did is it showed that Harper I was unworkable from the beginning. Harper I purported to give some specific measures that the legislature could use in so-called policing, so-called partisan gerrymandering. Harper II then went back on that promise and said no, We're not going to give you any specific measures. And by the way, legislature, what you did was wrong. It was a heads I win tails you lose sort of a standard. And now the standard is whatever we want it to be based on a, quote, holistic analysis that the legislature has no possibility of ever following in advance.
0: Exactly. Exactly. This is we'll know it when we see it. They cannot, they, they they can't find a, what, judiciable standard, right? They can't, they, they can't outline, here is what makes this a gerrymander, a partisan gerrymander. In other words, you've drawn these lines, these redistricting lines, you've drawn them in order to ensure a partisan benefit. One party is going to benefit, a.k.a. safe seats, right? There's no proportionality in our Constitution, In other words, you don't get a certain number of congressional districts drawn for you based on your voter registration or based on uh, the turnout numbers or based on uh, previous election results. You don't don't have any right to a certain number of guaranteed seats for your party. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that. And so what they divined, what the four Democrats divined, was this idea that the Constitution's Free and fair elections clause means you got to be able to have enough Democrats win seats. <laughs> that proportionality essentially does obtain. But that's not true. And, that's, and this is the problem. When you say, here are the standards that you should go by, and then the General Assembly goes by your standards, and then you say, nope, not enough Democrat seats either. We're going to write our own maps. Well, then, that, then those aren't standards. Then those aren't criteria to be followed. Right? That's the Charlie Brown going to kick the football. All right, are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear— Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. Uh, going over the Supreme Court oral arguments yesterday in Raleigh uh, over the redistricting lawsuits and the criteria that uh, Democrats keep trying to tinker with in order to get the most amount of seats for themselves while not having the ability to draw the maps because they, they keep losing the elections. Let me get uh, Jill on. Hello, Jill. Welcome to the program.
2: Hey. Hey, how are you? I am great. Hope you are. Um, I'm probably showing some supreme ignorance here, but um, hear me out. <laughs> I think both sides tinker and it's wrong on both sides. I mean, we know inner city is more Democrat, outlines more Republican. Can't you just? There's got to be a way to just have like a computer program that doesn't take party into consideration at all, only population, and it just sort of starts dead center and goes out like like spokes on the wheel, little wedges, and it just falls where it falls.
0: So there are a number of there are a number of criteria that you have to abide in North Carolina, like you got to keep counties whole, for example, as best you can, okay. right? So you so there are rules like that, and then there are county groupings. Um, that ha- that counties are similar and in, in in similar economic interests and that sort of thing, and so they get grouped together. So there are these groupings that you have to abide by as well. And then you've got uh, on top of that, you've got uh, you know uh, racial factors because you cannot create districts that disenfranchise uh, minority classes, right? So you've got that layer in uh, in it as well. And so by the time you actually do all of that. The the districts when and you you know we're talking the congressional races the congressional districts but also the house and the senate districts they all kind of sort of follow a similar kind of map now you can tinker around the edges and such in order to make the populations balance but um, but there's not a lot there's not a whole lot of wiggle room uh, to be moving people in mass quantities because of those criteria already. Um, so, but so the, your idea though is to say you don't take into account any political affiliation and you just draw it based on a population count.
2: Right. And you just sort of how it falls is how it falls.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah. right. And so, I mean, I would think that would just be completely fair. You know, there's absolutely nothing. You know, you're going to have some are going to be Democrats, some are going to be Republicans, some are just kind of worthless because they don't show up to vote, period.
0: Right. But, well, um, so know. what ha- so where do you start though? Where would you start? To because you gotta start someplace right, and you, then you start counting people and you start moving outward, so do you go out like in a circle, do you start at the coast or the the northern border, southern border eastern western whatever and and do you start like sort of marching that way like across the state and just one, two three, four, five, six, seven, and when you get to a hundred thousand boom that's a district, and then you keep going
2: yeah, pretty much.
0: Okay, so so you ignore
2: like wedge, just sort of starting in the center and and going out. This is city. Well, start dead center in the city and just go on out. And it okay, would include All right. the outline. It would inco- include the inner city.
0: So you would so you would adhere to jurisdictional lines like city limits, county borders. You would you would account for like you would try to keep them in one district.
2: I would think as much as you could. Right. I mean, I, like I said, I just, I don't know exactly how it works. There's got to be a more fair way because we've all seen how they just whirl around for every little neighborhood and every little person that goes their way, and both sides do it. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's, it's not right. So what is a, what does a fair map look like? I think like
2: a wedge, like I said, just starting from the center and moving out because there's less population out.
0: Right. But having, be, you know, but, and but, then
2: it's just like spokes of a wheel, and it's just, you know, where you fall is where you fall. And, uh, you know, I might fall in a different party than what I'm used to, but it's um, I need to get out and campaign more.
0: Right, but if you are in one of those wedges that just you fall where you fall, and for the next 10 years, you will have no representation. Just because, because a computer program put you in, but you also said to keep the counties whole which is a constitutional provision, you have to keep the counties whole. So, I mean, we can't ignore that. So uh, if you got a county like Union County or uh, Lincoln County is actually a really good example because Lincoln County has a population that is uh, like the perfect size for, I think, the, uh, uh, the House districts. It's like 100,000 or maybe it's the Senate districts. But Lincoln County is like its own district because the population is – it's all contained in that one county, and it's the same as what all of the seats are. So you take the total number of seats, you divide it into the population of the total people, and that gives you your size of each district, and Lincoln County is that size, right? So we would, I guess, right. probably agree that a, quote, fair map would be Lincoln County has its own district, right? That right. is, it's okay. its own district. Right. Okay, so is that fair to Democrats in Lincoln County?
2: Well, I guess it would have to be. I mean, I'm just saying. Sometimes you just you don't live in a district. I mean, uh, my daughter's in a school district that definitely would not go the way she wants it to go. Mm-hmm. So she's looking to move. Um, it, I'm just trying to think of something that's just you know, nobody has any say so about it. It's just it just falls like it falls that way. No one can say anybody squirrelled around with it trying to get an unfair advantage. I know I didn't realize I had so many uh, little dumb rules. Rules, that, right? Like, exactly. Put
0: back together and everything. No, well, I got I you, Jill. Well, and this is ideas. right. What you're wrestling with is the precise thing that the and the reason why I was going through this with you is that this is the precise thing that the Supreme Court is wrestling with right now. It's an inherently political process. This is the problem with it. It, it is inherently political, and and power is attached to this. And so people are obviously going to try to draw the maps in ways that advantage themselves and their agenda and the court stepping in under this guise of fairness, like as if Mm -hmm. they're not political actors at all, right? Like, which is not true. They are, they run for office as well. Um, and so they, they're trying to, you know, if they're trying to create criteria, well, what is the criteria? It, what does it, what result does it yield? And if the result yields you something that you don't think is quote fair, then you throw out all the criteria which is what the court did and this is the problem so i, I appreciate the call thank you for uh, for chatting okay all right take okay. care yeah yeah you too um this is in this is the inherent problem do you think that the 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 seven lawyers in robes right the seven lawyers with a wardrobe change do you think that that they are best suited to make the determination about what is a fair district or not a fair district knowing that they too Run for office, they campaign, right? They are political actors as well. So, are they best suited to come up with the criteria? The Democrats say yes, but they also gave themselves a seven-seven split on the congressional districts, and and they believe that that's fair. Democrats will tell you that that's a fair map. Maps that advantage Democrats are always fair maps. It's one of the rules, by the way. I'm not sure you're aware of that. It's one of the rules. A fair map to a Democrat is a map that gives Democrats an advantage, <laughs> right? Um, but if you look at I've gone over these numbers over the years. If you look at the results, the way North Carolina votes, North Carolina should actually be, out of the 14 congressional races, should actually be 9 to 10, and in some election cycles, even 11. The 11 out of those seats should probably go for... Republicans, based on voter trends, based on the way people vote and where they live. Now, Democrats don't want to hear that. They want 7-7 or they want a majority because, they, because they're because they like, well, look at us, you know, we have more voters by registration than Republicans. Yeah, but they don't vote. They're not turning out and voting. <laughs> you just register everybody when they get a driver's license and they never vote. The idea, the concept, right, this utopian vision of uh, of, you know, Nonpartisan, fair maps, redistricting, independent commission, whatever. The devil is in the details. It is an inherently political operation to draw these district lines. And the classic case was out in California where they implemented this nonpartisan, independent redistricting commission. And the Democrats then completely corrupted the system, and they, uh, they drew themselves into, like, near total control of the entire state. And it was, like, uh, in 2010. Yeah, because they just, they banned anybody with any kind of political expertise from being involved in the process. So you had these, these naive neophytes, that, these ignoramuses that were in there. And then they got lobbied by people that they didn't know were political actors because they had no idea about politics. If you worked on a campaign, if you donated money to a campaign, if you had run for office, you were banned. You couldn't participate. So what happens is then they get lobbied by these, quote, communities of similar interest, which were like completely fabricated. They made up websites and stuff where, you know, we're this little neighborhood and conveniently they would always be in certain precincts that they knew they needed to be in certain districts. And so they influenced the process and Republicans got caught flat footed and they got locked out of power. Anyway, that's what happens. The the system is corruptible because humans are involved. There are computer programs that have now gotten very, very, very specific, right? Really? I mean, they they can target neighborhoods and stuff. They absolutely can do that now. And that's really the rub. See, the problem Democrats have is that they are not geographically spread out. They're clustered. And so, yes, I got a message here, John. uh, So at the congressional level, right, so you take the state's population and you divide it by however many districts that we have, right? We have 14. So you would divide the population by 14, and then you end up with a number of roughly 800,000 people. And that's the size of one congressional district. So that's the first thing that you go off of is the population count, 800,000 people. So you have to draw a district that basically matches that. So he points out here that Mecklenburg County and Wake County are the only counties to be their own district. In fact, Mecklenburg is too big. So if you were to draw, I mean, honestly, would that be a fair map? To say, let, let's say Mecklenburg County is exactly 800,000, right? Let's just say it's exactly 800,000 population. If you drew a map, a a congressional district map, and you made Mecklenburg County its own congressional seat, you got one representative for the 800,000 people in Mecklenburg County because we are a community of similar interest, I could argue, right? All right, well, that seat would probably go to a Democrat, right? Sure. Okay. But what about all of the counties surrounding Mecklenburg? They would probably all go for Republicans, right? Same thing for Wake County as well. But Democrats don't want that. (laughs) They don't want a district for Mecklenburg. They want to be able to use some of the Democrat voters in Mecklenburg to help tip the scales in some of the neighboring counties in their districts. Right? That's the idea. And and when Republicans do that, by the way, they're, they're accused of cracking. So there's packing and cracking. Packing means you put voters of a particular demographic or party affiliation you put them into a district you pack them in there so they can have a safe seat so, right or you can dilute their vote basically right if you say we're going to pack mecklenburg county with only with all these democrat voters they're all packed in and it's like 90 percent democrat by registration no republican will ever run there or win but that means republicans are free in the uh, in the uh outlying areas right and they then get to vote And sway those races. So you trade one seat in Mecklenburg for all of the districts around it. So you get more districts. Republicans get more districts because they're more spread out. And I'm sorry that the geography is the way it is. Maybe Democrats need to move to more rural areas. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. But is that a fair map? They would say no. They would say it's not fair for Mecklenburg County to be its own district. Even though it naturally should be. It makes sense, but if you make it its own district, then you would lose probably three other districts surrounding it. Same thing for Wake County. And before you know it, I mean, Buncombe County, where Asheville is, that, that's not big enough to, they think they are, but they're they're not big enough to control a district seat out there. That's why Madison Cawthorn won. That's why Chuck Edwards is now the representative out there. They can't swing an election over there. You'd have to gerrymander all the way up to, into Boone. To try to bring in App State and <laughs> try to get the campus into your Asheville uh, district, you know, Wake, Durham, like mean, at most, like what you're gonna you're gonna have three seats for Democrats if you were drawing the lines for the county, which I would submit it's actually kind of a fair way to do it. <laughs>